Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need you. Lord, speak to us through your word. Lord, even those of us that don't want you to speak, talk to us. Lord, you know where each one of us are in this room. Meet us there. And Lord, I need you. Speak through me. Speak through me, Jesus. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this chapter comes off the heels of victory, right? What did they do, man? They were obedient, right? You remember I was saying, listen, Joshua and the Israelites got up early in the morning to go do God's will, to go do something that was ludicrous to everybody else. Hey, Israel, I want you to go march around this city. Yeah, it's an all right city. You're going to be tired by the end of the day that you marched around it. It it is fairly large. It is a daunting city. You guys remember I explained to you that archaeologists found that it is a double-walled city after they uncovered it, right? You remember the curse that Joshua laid on Jericho? He said that if anyone rebuilds this wall, these walls, may it be at the cost of his son, his oldest son, and when he puts up those gates, may it be the cost of his youngest son, cost his family to rebuild that place, right? We know that place is in ruins, right? Archaeologists found it, and they found that it's a double wall system. And I explained that to you. That's daunting when, hey, listen, they don't come in with tanks. They didn't have tanks back then. They, they maybe had horses, but Israel didn't have horses. It was just foot soldiers with weapons. And you come to a double wall system, and we know ancient walls weren't like, oh, look at that 10-foot wall. This isn't like one of these nice houses that you come to in Birmingham where you're just like, nice wall, wonder if I could jump it, right? It's not like that. These walls were usually, I mean, the walls of Babylon, if you remember what I've told you, some places, they were over 100 feet high. And the walls of Babylon were at least 80 feet thick. The wall is thicker than this room is long. You go and dig through that, what are you going to do? Because at the top of the wall are soldiers. The walls of Babylon were so thick, they had chariot races on the top of the walls. That's a thick wall, right? So Israel is coming against one of these ancient cities, not as big, but this, this city's different. It has a double wall system. So remember, I said you hop the first wall, you get over the first wall, 15 feet in front of you is the next wall. And probably a whole bunch of dead men's bones in there. You ever see those movies where they enter a place and it's filled with dead men's bones? And that's the first indication of a movie. This is not a good place. (laughs) This guy did not die here relaxing with a pina colada. (laughs) All right? (laughs) So the Lord says, march around this place. And on the seventh day, march around it seven times. And on the seventh time, blow those celebration horns and yell at the top of your lungs and watch what I do. And both their walls came tumbling down. And Israel went in there. Victory was theirs. They kept their word. They went and got Rahab. They preserved everybody in Rahab's house. But you remember, they they wiped out everyone else. And that's where we as Westerners have that problem. Why would they do that? 
Why wouldn't they have like little shelters for them? And I told you that back in the book of Genesis, the Lord says to Abraham, listen, the sin of the Amorites hasn't yet reached its fullness. I have warned them, but I'm giving them 400 plus more years to turn from their ways. Now you might say, what were they doing that was so bad? Archaeologists have found indications that they didn't only burn their children, right? to their, their idols and gods. So anybody that has a newborn baby, that would have been the prime subject, or you know anybody under about three years old, which I have a three-year-old, that would be the prime subject to go take to their gods. And some of their, one of the gods is uh, Molech. Molech would be this burning god that was made of metal or, or a hot stone. They would they would heat him up, and you would lay the baby in Molech's arms, heat it up, and the baby would burn. Okay? They also found indications that they ate their children, not because of need, but because of ritual and tradition. Does that sound nice to you? I love my baby, but not with salt and pepper. Okay? That's all I'm saying. All right? So the Lord is like, listen, these people will not turn from their ways. They continue to defile themselves and defile my land. Because what does the Lord say? That land is my land. Honestly, all the land on earth belongs to the Lord if you read God's word. He says, I own the whole earth and everything on it, including all the people. Now, some of us may not like that idea. Deal with it. What can I do? You know, what can you do about it? So, verse one, victory, right? And then this is the next sentence. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Okay, so it's not like, oh yeah, yeah, this, this guy came from dirty people. Hey guys, Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, right? King David came from the tribe of Judah. So you can't just like, you know how like when we see a bad bad person, we just try to like say, oh yeah, you know what? He grew up in a, in a bad household. You know, you know, he just came from bad people. We try to like just write it off like that. This man made a decision, just like any other man or woman. We like to cast the blame. We like to say, well, you know, it wasn't all his fault. You know, clinically, clinically, he made a decision to do wrong. Sometimes we like to pass it off as, you know, it's just a disease. Yeah, it's a disease called sin. Because when I do wrong, guess who's to blame? My wife, of course. <laughs> no. That was Adam's sin, right? The Lord said, Adam, what, what did you do? Um, Lord, it, it was the wife you gave me. No, no Adam. You know what Paul tells us? He gives us a little insight about Adam and Eve. He says this, look, Eve 
was tricked. Adam knew full well what he was doing. He was a bit passive, wasn't he? You know, it's just like standing there and saying, eh, you know, the wife likes it. I know it's wrong before the Lord's eyes, but it looks good. Adam's fault, right? It's also Eve's fault. What did Eve do? Lord, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. And what's the serpent doing? I got him. (laughs) Right? Satan's just standing there. I got him. I tricked him. And how did the serpent trick Eve who hung out with God every day? He started putting questions about God's truth in her mind. Questioning God, right? He said, did God really say... Well, Eve, you should know. You hang out with him every day. So sometimes when temptation comes our way, we have to be very sure of what God's word says. Because our temptation will be, it should be all right. Don't let it slide this time. Now, okay, we're going to see what Achan took. I mean, was worth something. It was worth something. I mean, it wasn't like he, it would make him, you know, a, um, an ancient day millionaire. But um, I don't know if you and I saw that much hanging out. The temptation or the question would probably pass through all our minds. And then we would have to make a decision. Okay, so when we disobey the Lord... We aren't honor, honoring him, right? We aren't being obedient to him. We are actually disres- disrespecting him and everything he's done for us when we disobey the Lord. Really, that's what it comes down to. Like, I'm making a decision to disrespect God. That's my decision, right? And when we see this, because when we look down, I remember when I was little, sometimes you read some things in the Bible and you're like, whoa, that's a bit harsh. Right? But then you have to realize what is going on. We have to look at what's going on. And I also have to realize this. Like when I read the Bible, there may be things that I think are a problem. But what I've come to figure out as I'm older is this. The problem is with me, not the Bible. The problem's with me, not the Bible. God says, I am the ultimate judge. But yet in my mind, I think I'm a pretty good judge. Right? I have to listen to God's word. And God's word won't lead me astray. It won't. You know, God's word has never told me to do something that violates others in the sense of like, God's word has never told me, hey, Dave, you know what? You just got to go out in the street and just punch people in the face, man. You know? So sometimes we sit there with that question like, what if God sends me to do something that like, is just bad? Well, God won't do that. He doesn't violate his word. He doesn't violate his heart. You know what I mean? That's why I can test things that I feel or that I think I'm being prompted by the Lord to do by remembering what his word says. 
Okay, if the Lord tells me you need to go speak to this person about what the wrong thing that they're doing, the, the word also directs me on how I should speak to that person. Right. He tells me to speak to people in love. What's that look like? Well, we read God's word. He tells me to bless others to in the Old Testament. He tells me that words fitly spoken are as apples of gold on trays of silver. Okay, okay. He tells me in the New Testament that I should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. All right, so that speaks to me. Okay, so then when I go to speak to people, I have to be controlled, right? I have to have self-discipline. Because sometimes there's people that are doing things that, you know, be much easier to just choke the life out of them. I'm a guy. That's how I think. Okay. <laughs> and then the Lord's like, does that, is that self-control, Dave? Um, no, maybe I could learn a way to like choke him quicker. Right? No, that's not control. Right? The Lord's like, is that love, Dave? No, that's not love. Okay. So let's begin again, Dave. Okay. Run the scenario in my mind. <laughs> So when I come to talk to somebody, these are things that I do. I actually come prepared. I write down the things that I need to talk to them about, right? And then I, I process them. And then I say, okay, and this is, these, this is the way I want to deliver that message. Because you know in the heat of the moment, you're going to forget everything. and be like, Well, you're just an idiot! <laughs> oh, I don't think that was the message I was supposed to tell them. <laughs> But if you know what you're going to say, you could just say it in calmness. They could get crazy, and you just deliver your message, and you leave it with the Lord, right? This, that's just one instance, right? Like one type of thing that you could do. Anyway, self-control, right? Patience. So then we come to verse 2. So, so the Bible has told us that something has happened that maybe... Not everybody knows, right? But the Lord holds all of Israel accountable. Hold on to that, okay? Because as far as we know, only one person has violated God's rules. But what does God say? He says, I am mad at all of Israel because of Achan. So like we can remember this. Listen, if you choose to sin like Achan, your life will be aching, okay? Remember that, all right? So Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai. He's a good general. He's a good leader. He always has led Israel into battle, and he's never come out unsuccessful. That's a good general, all right? So like I was reading about five-star generals and everything, and they, um, they have this, this thing in their mind that they are people you can depend on and to them, victory is the only option, okay? Victory, five-star generals, all those guys, those guys that like lead our countries, go take, there's one thing that they have in common and that's this, every equation will equal victory, right? Even at the expense of the whole army and themselves, they will have victory for their people right? You're like, whoa, man. <laughs> you know, I'm the type of dude that knows how to bow out. <laughs> I'm done, <laughs> right? 
I know a couple of people with, with that type of mindset. And they're very dependable. And sometimes you have to go over them, and they're laying on the floor, and you're like, it's okay. We can lose this time. All right? Come on. <laughs> Let's go. Joshua saw victory all the time. So Joshua sends his spies in. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai, since there are so few of them. Don't make all our people struggle to go up there. And he thinks, okay, I depend on these spies. He probably sent out good men, good, good people. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. This is actually the first time really that we, we read of Joshua being defeated. They were not just defeated. It says they were soundly defeated. They couldn't even brag. You know, like when we play sport, right? And then you're like, you know, I almost had him. You know, if he didn't, I wouldn't have, you know, we have all these excuses when play, I, you know, I used to play sport all the time when I was younger. You can tell by my condition now, I don't anymore. <laughs> No, I still like playing sport, you know, but, but, you know, all different types of sport. I like basketball. I try my hand in, you know, that European football. I stink, you know, but, you know, you still got your excuses. You know, I, I could have run a bit faster, you know, should have got him. You know, all those 35 goals you scored on me. <laughs> but they didn't even have an excuse. Like they couldn't have said, we almost had him. It says they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries. So they chased them. They were retreating. And they killed about 36 who, retreat, who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear as this turn, at this turn of events and their courage melted away. So, okay, this is new a new development. But can I tell you something? God kept his promise. Pro God promised to them that if they honored him, one of them would chase a thousand. But he said, if you disobey me, one of your enemies will chase a thousand of you. Right? He said, if you disobey me, I will withdraw and I will let them massacre you. In fact, you will be so scared, you'll run at a leaf in the wind. That's what he told him. So God is staying true to his word to the Israelites. Okay? I told you, God is a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. And I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. You guys remember, I said, listen, my dad, would he would ground me, and then he would forget five minutes later. Right? That's not how God the Father is. He remembers what he told you. In fact, there are times that I've lived this life with the Lord, and I think to myself, like the, I felt the Lord had promised me something, and then you see it 10, 15 years later, and you think, whoa, you remembered. You remembered me, right? You're so good. He's a promise keeper. And he tells us that he doesn't just uh, give us what we need. He also gives us the desires of our hearts if we delight in him. That's awesome. That's cool. Sometimes it takes patience 
But he does it. He does it. Verse 6, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. So Joshua knew where to run. He ran to the Lord with the elders. He said, everybody get over here. And they laid in front of the Lord. Then Joshua cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? So Joshua's discouraged, right? What would you guys, like, when we read the text, we actually have to analyze it and make... Um, make decisions about it, in a sense. So, so, like, a simple way is you look at it and you say, okay, is Joshua happy right now? No, Joshua's not happy. What happened? Well, we were told what happened. We have insight because of God's word. What happened? So, is Joshua right? Joshua has no idea what is going on. He has no idea. He's never been here before, right? And he's like, oh, Lord, you allowed it to happen. But the Lord said to Joshua, and here's the awesome thing, is when I go seek the Lord, the Lord will speak. He'll speak to me. He may not say what I want him to say, but he's going to talk, and he's going to tell me what's up, right? Sometimes in my life, I've gone like the psalmist wrote, right? Lord, search my heart. Find any offensive way in me. Let me know about it. Oh, he lets me know. And I have to be mature enough to allow him to keep speaking to me. Because sometimes he lets me know how dirty I am. The work I need in me. And that's why I can have compassion on people. Because I understand. I'm human. Right? I'm human. I'm not perfect. Jesus is. And he's perfecting me every day. If I allow him to do that work. But he's not done yet. And actually, when I see all the road work signs in my, in my heart and in my life, I think to myself, is this ever going to get done? I'm broken, right? But when I know that he says, the work I've started, I will complete, I know he's a promise keeper, right? I know he'll complete it. He'll do the work in me. He will continue to change me. He will continue to use that big word, sanctify me. Continue to work in me to set me apart and make me more like his son, Jesus. Right? We just want all the good bits of Jesus, right? We want that power, right? <laughs> Why? Wouldn't it be awesome? Right? All of a sudden, you're like, it's raining outside. Yo, I got Jesus' power, man. I'm going to go outside and just talk to the rain. <laughs> you guys know the Bible stories. Jesus stood there, and it says he stood there in the boat, and he just said to the storm, be quiet. Calm down. Can I go back to take a nap, please? You know? How awesome would that be? We love that type of stuff, but we don't like the type of stuff about becoming like Christ, which is patient, obedient, 
to God the Father. Patient and long-suffering. Humble, right? You know, one of my daughters asked me this week, what does humility mean? Good question. Humility is the trait that God wants us to have, but that every human hates. (laughs) She's like, huh? I'm like, humility, right? So like when you, I find having children is great for learning or learning how I need to define things simply, right? So I was like, you know when you brag about what you have, like you say everything you have or you talk about how great you are? Humility is the opposite of that. Oh, humility is letting people go first, even though you know you can go first. Humility is being in charge, but not making everybody feel that you're in charge. Oh, okay. Humility is letting people go first. Humility is helping people in need. Humility is giving others your time, right? Those are just pieces of humility, right? Humility is toning yourself down and raising others up. Those are just pieces, right, of humility. So it's like, oh, okay, all right, daddy, I get it. It's like, we can go to the dictionary. No, it's okay, I understand, okay, cool, (laughs) you know? And, and I know that when I define things, I don't, it's not like the best definition ever. I just need them to understand, right? So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on, on your face like this? <laughs> okay. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. Oh, okay. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. So, remember that question at the beginning? I said, why is he mad at all of Israel? As far as we know, only one guy sinned. And hey, listen, only one guy sinned. And God is mad at all of Israel. But if you guys understand, like, listen, I'm not a medical-minded person. You want to know something about medicine? Go talk to one of our doctors here, okay? Go talk to my wife. You know, people will be like, "Uh, Dave, my belly hurts. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, Drink some (laughs) Coca-Cola. I don't know. (laughs) You know? I like to do something that's funny with my brothers, and I'll tell them something wild, and then I'll, um, I'll kind of back it up by saying, trust me, my wife's a doctor. <laughs> and they're like, okay, don't listen to that guy. <laughs> so if one part of the body is dying, okay, this is simple. If one part of the body is dying and nothing is done about it, Soon more will die until the whole body dies, okay? Like if you do nothing about a certain part of your body that's dying, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but um, 
I'm, I'm like one of those people that doesn't do anything about, you know, uh, being hurt or whatever until it's gone too far, right? And then, and then Claire will say, why didn't you tell me this hurt? I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to not think about it, right? You know, nowadays I try to tell her everything and she's like, okay, okay. <laughs> but if part of the body is dying, let's say like you, your foot is dying, right? And you do nothing about it. There's a good chance that's going to affect more than just that foot area, right? You know, you think of like gangrene. We've all seen or heard about it, right? And then that starts dying. If you don't do anything about it, more is going to die. It's going to take more with it. And if you do nothing about that, that may be ultimately the cause of your death. All right? It's the same way in community. It's the same way for Israel. If one part of it begins to die in sin, it will start to spread. It's like that in us too. Listen, sin is like a quiet cancer. If I don't go and take care of it, it will kill my whole life. It will kill my whole life. Let me tell you a story really quick of something tragic. I knew, I knew a man when I was younger. And this man was a handsome man and a kind man. And a lot of fun. But this man got caught up in a whole bunch of things. And as I grew up, this man became more and more evil. He was not the shining knight I knew. And his actual appearance changed during that time. His disposition changed. His mood changed until he was a 100% evil man. And I remember that man, and I remember the chat I had with him the last day I saw that man. And I told him about Jesus, and he said, David, I am too far gone. You know what I watched? I watched a man eaten by sin. And I don't know where that man is today. And I'm not talking um, in riddles about myself. This is actually someone I knew. And he was good looking. Everybody loved him. He was funny. He was charismatic. Everybody loved the man. And then he got caught up in things and continued and got caught up in more things. Until if you took a picture of him on the day I saw him last and the day I met him, they look like two different people. Sin ate his life. And he wouldn't come to Jesus for Jesus to clean him. Sin ate his life. And it's a warning for me every day. It's a warning for me. The people that I've seen and I've known and the Lord says, make sure that doesn't become you. Make sure that you are not aching. Okay, Lord, I need your help, right? I need the Lord's help. Because sometimes temptation presents itself, and I think, <laughs> Lord, have you seen this? <laughs> and the Lord's like, yeah, I've seen it, Dave. You don't need to show me. No, but Lord, you got to see this temptation. It looks so good. 
one of the part, part of the body is dying and nothing is done about it, soon more will die until the whole dies, the whole thing dies. Sin is like a cancer that silently spreads. Sin in the church, we're told in the New Testament, is like a cancer that silently spreads from person to person. That's why Paul said, hey, listen, there's a man in sin. Get him out until he learns and then accept him back because he won't listen. He won't stop. All right. So then um, the Lord tells him this is what's gone wrong. That is why the Israelites are running from the enemy in defeat, and now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless, unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. So now it's time for the investigation, right? When something is wrong, whether, you know, as, as uh, somebody that does maintenance and building, People will tell you, listen, this is wrong in my house. I have a wet patch. Okay, you got a wet patch. Now it's time for investigation. Where did that wet patch come from? Right? My ceiling is dripping. Okay. So that means there's water coming from somewhere. If it's water dripping. <laughs> First we check the fluid. What's dripping here? Right? Hmm, that looked like blood. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> so, but investigation, right? I'm pretty sure it's like that. You know, like I've talked to Claire. She's told me, hey, you, sometimes you, you, you have to investigate. They come with symptoms and you investigate, right? It's like that in a lot of our um, work in different jobs that we do. If you are there to solve problems, you have to investigate. So the Lord's like, okay, tomorrow's the investigation. We're going to find out what's wrong and who's wrong. The Lord knows the whole time. But he says, listen, I'm going to help to reveal it to you, Joshua. I'm going to show you what's wrong. All right? Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. This, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. In the morning, you must present yourselves by tribes, and the Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. That tribe must come forward with its clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. That clan will then come forward, and the Lord will point out the guilty family. Finally, each member of the guilty family must come forward one by one. The one who has stolen what was set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire along with everything he has, for he has broken the covenant of the Lord and has done a horrible thing in Israel. The Lord sees. All right. And, and here's this. I'm not I'm not like trying to scare you to death. OK, but understand this. OK, Aiken could have come forward. He could have said, Yo, you know what? Forgive me. Forgive me. I sinned. But we'll watch Aiken went through the whole process like hopefully God can't catch me. Hopefully you don't see me. Listen, when we don't think God, God knows what we've done, the only people we're lying to is ourselves. When I try to justify it and I say, hey, no, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. 
the only person I'm tricking is me. God's not sitting there like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> God's not an idiot. He's been around for, I don't know, forever. So Joshua, so, so in the morning you present yourselves. Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord and the tribe of Judah was singled out. Then the clans of Judah came forward and the clan of Zerah was singled out. Then the families of Zerah came forward and the family of Zimri was singled out. I mean, think about it. This probably took all day. And at no time did Achan say, it's me. I did it. I confess. I confess. That's what the Lord wants us to do in the New Testament. If we're in the wrong, he says, come, confess your sin. Confess it. We're told this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Confess your sin to me. That's what the Lord says. That's what John wrote to us. Confess your sin to Jesus and he will make you clean. That is Dave's para, uh, paraphrased version. All right? Confess your sin to Jesus and he will make you clean. It's a beautiful thing. Achan's not doing that. Every member of Zimri's family was brought forward person by person and Achan was singled out. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Why did he have to urge him to tell the truth? Because he was lying. He was acting innocent. He wasn't coming forward. And we're going to see something that's very tragic when it comes to sinning. Something hugely tragic when it comes to sinning. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. So Joshua is being very kind to him, right? Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, okay? Now listen, this robe was probably worth a lot of money, okay? This is a beautiful robe from Babylon, all right? And if we look back in historical documents, Babylonian robes were like the thing, Beautiful robes. Yesterday, I went into a shop, right? And I looked at a coat, and that coat cost 700 pounds. And I'm like, not for me. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to get a replica of that coat. <laughs> I'm going to go on eBay. <laughs> 700 pounds. You know how many stupid things I could buy on Amazon for 700 pounds? <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> but beautiful things cost money, right? Okay, so, so we have this indication. You know, listen, this beautiful coat from Babylon costs money. I'm trying to understand Achan, right? Then he says, among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins. Okay, in today's money, that would be worth 1,500 pounds. If anybody saw 1,500 pounds laying on the floor, nobody else is paying attention to it, what would you do? Right? Of course, I'd go take it to the police, right? So that they can spend it. <laughs> but 
<laughs> one time, uh, I had 200 pounds stolen from me, and uh, and and it got recovered. <laughs> and then I said to, you know, the police, I was like, "Can I get my 200 pounds back?" And they said, "No, it's going to be held for evidence." So then I made the joke, "Why don't you put your 200 pounds in there, and I'll take mine, and they can hold yours for evidence." <laughs> and the guy was like, "Well, sorry, it doesn't really work like that." Okay. <laughs> so anyway. If you're watching the live stream, I want my 200 pounds back. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. We got that off my chest. All right. So, 200 silver coins. A bar of gold weighing more than a pound. Okay, guys. You know how much that is worth today? 30,000 pounds. So my man sees a 700-pound jacket, <laughs> 1,500 pounds in cash, and then he turns around and he sees another 30,000 pounds in cash. What would you do? <laughs> You're just a normal, normal person. We're not talking you make that type of money every day like some of you do. <laughs> we are talking, you're just a normal guy, right? Trying to make ends meet. You in here fighting a war, you don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> then you look down, and there's a bar of gold and a really nice jacket. Looked like Michael Jackson wore that. <laughs> then you got, you know, 1,500 pounds cash. What would you do? And God said, don't touch anything. What would you do? Would you be aching? Would you be aching to grab that? <laughs> or would you leave it alone? Or even move it to the side and put it under some rubble so that nobody else gets tempted and walk away. Would you do that? I have to ask myself that, all right? I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. You know, those silver coins, they glisten, man, right? That's what Achan's saying. But the Lord specifically told them, guys, this time, don't touch a thing. Don't touch it. It's set for, you know, the gold and silver will come into the treasury of the Lord and it will be mine. And then the rest of it, it needs to be destroyed. Just needs to be destroyed. Okay? And and everybody may not understand why. You're like, why? Right? They were probably like, why? But at the end of the day, you hear God who loves you and is taking care of you, and we just need to listen. Okay? So Joshua sent some men to make a search. They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said, the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. Then they laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Okay? So they're like, hey, man, like, go grab that stuff. It wasn't doing Achan any good. It wasn't like he just bought that brand new jacket, and now he's wearing it out, and everybody sees it. And he's like, check it out, right? Because listen, most of us, some of us may not be like that, but when you get something new, don't you like wearing it? Right? Yo, like you get some new Jordans. I'm talking to the ladies. <laughs> or you get something nice, you know? You want to wear it. You want that occasion to wear that, right? To showcase it. Or how about when you get a new haircut, right? You get a new haircut, like me. Same haircut, guys. <laughs> you want to go out with your new haircut or, you know, you feel good about it. Aiken couldn't even do that. He knew he stole it. He had to hide it. So stolen things aren't usually any good. 
right? They need to be hidden. Because somebody knows that it's stolen. Somebody knows it's hidden. I remember when I was younger, I lived in this neighborhood only for a year. It was bad, like a bad neighborhood. We lived in this bad neighborhood for like a year, right? And uh, I remember a kid up the street, his bike got stolen. And then my friend, well, this kid I knew from the block that all my brothers and I uh, knew, uh, we'll call him um, Jason. Uh, names are changed to, pre to protect the guilty. Um, Jason had a new bike. And it was spray painted gold. And lo and behold, they found out that Jason's new bike was the stolen bike from up the street. Spray painted. <laughs> you know, stolen things don't last that long. I remember when they came for it. I think I hear my mother calling, right? <laughs> I gotta go, Jason. I ain't hanging out with you anymore, man. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that, right? But I realized, oh man, the bike he's riding is the stolen bike from up the street. He saw something and he wanted it and he went and got it and then he spray painted it thinking nobody's gonna notice. He dumb. And aren't we dumb when we don't listen to the Lord, right? When we disobey the Lord and his commands, we judge ourselves. We're saying to the Lord, I heard what you said, come and judge me. Hit me with your best shot. Come and judge me. So um, they bring it all. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. Then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. Guys, Achan didn't only sin. Okay, so listen. Achan didn't only sin. A lot of us think, if I sin, I'm the only one that catches the repercussions for it. Okay, right? It's my life, right? My life, I can do whatever I want. I hear that all the time. That's what my daddy said, right? When he was leaving us the first time, I was 13 years old. You know what he said? I'm a grown man. I can do whatever I want. Okay, but he didn't know that it shattered his children and his wife, right? And I'm not here to tell you a sob story. I'm here to tell you I now understand that my sin hurts everybody around me, especially my children, my wife, my brethren, right? And it's the same for you. It's not just my story. It's the same for you. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had. Listen, when I read this, Achan wasn't a poor man. He wasn't poor. But when we lust after things, lust is this, when I want something that is not mine. When I lust after things, it's not usually because I'm poor. It's just because I'm greedy and I want more. 
the Lord will now bring trouble on you. So what Achan had on his life wasn't just um, that his whole household was affected. Listen, Israelites died on the slopes because of his sin. Israelites died on the slopes because of his sin. His own, his own brethren were killed because of his sin. All right. So then it, we come to this, this very end and it says, the Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. Is that the outcome the Lord wanted? No, 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 no. Because we read in God's word that it is God's heart that all people will be saved. That's not the outcome he wanted, but that's the outcome that Achan chose. A lot of times we like to put it on God. Oh, look what God did. No, no, look what Achan did. And God told him and warned him what the response would be for his sin, yet he chose to walk in sin. How about you and me? How about you and me? Your sin and my sin affects more than just ourselves. Like, like was written in the New Testament, you need to understand you do not belong to yourself. You belong to all those around you. Not like they own you and you're a slave. No, no, no. It means that when I live my life, my life affects everybody around me, especially those that are connected to me. And as the Lord blesses you in life, you will be connected to more and more people. You will be connected to more and more people. So when we choose to fail, it hurts everyone we love. When we disobey the Lord, we put everything we have been given and everyone we love in danger. We're playing, we're playing with everybody's outcomes, right? We put everybody in danger. In essence, it's like setting your own house on fire while everybody sleeps. When you choose to disobey the Lord, it's like just setting your house on fire for fun while everybody's sleeping inside, and then you close the door and go ahead in. We don't belong to ourselves. And listen, guys, I'm not just here to like pound on you and say, oh, naughty, naughty, naughty. Look at you guys. No, I'm here talking to me too. And I'm not saying, oh, we gotta be self-righteous people. We gotta nitpick about everybody, no. This is what I'm saying. Hear God's word. Live God's word. It's easy. It's simple, right? Until you start to do it. Then we know I need more than just me. Guys, if you're failing in this life, if you have failed in this life like I have, you need more than just you and your willpower. You need Jesus to help you. Like I said at the very beginning, it is only Jesus that can change our hearts. Listen, Pastor Dave can't change your heart. Sometimes I wish I could. 
Sometimes I wish I could. I wish I could just, you know, if you came to me and you were like, hey, man, I got this problem with something. I'm like, hold on a second. Like as if it's like Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Don't tell me you haven't seen that. I watched that whole movie from behind the sofa when I was little. All right. You know the part I'm talking about, like at the very end when the guy reaches into the man's chest and he pulls out his heart beating and you're like, (gasps) but somehow the guy is still alive. Guys, it wasn't real. It's Hollywood magic. Come on, guys. Anyway, I didn't understand that at the age of five. (laughs) You know, my dad didn't even know I was there, you know, like, (laughs) I wish that I could do that and not just hold your your heart in my hand, but switch it out for a heart that's changed, right? And listen, we're not talking about the physical heart. We're talking about our intentions, our inner person, the one that sits and ponders about the right things they should do or the wrong things that they should do, right? I wish I could change that. I wish I could reach in and change that in me. All I can do is say, I surrender. I can't do it. Jesus, I need your help. I need the help of your Holy Spirit to help me to not be like Achan. Help me. I surrender. Help me. That's all I can do. But I have to stay surrendered. You know, because when the opportunity comes again for that bad thing I shouldn't be doing, the Lord, the Lord is, allows it to come, right? So that I can have victory. Because if he just took it away, I wouldn't have victory over it. So then he allows it to come again, and he wants me to say, no. I'm not going there. I'm going to walk with you, Lord. And then it arises again, and I can have the ability to be a contender, to be able to say, no, Jesus, I need your help. I want to be obedient to you. Help me. And he hears us. It says when we cry out to him, he hears us, and he strengthens us. Remember, it was a verse I talked about a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I said, the eyes of the Lord range to and fro on the earth, looking for those that are fully committed to him so that he might strengthen them. Do you need strength? I do. Stay fully committed to the Lord. He'll help you. He'll be there for you. It says that the same Holy Spirit he put inside of us when we come to him and we say, Jesus, I need your help. I need you. It says the same Holy Spirit he puts inside of us. He gives us that the Holy Spirit inside of us. It says the same Holy Spirit that he put inside of us is the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus up out of the grave. He made a dead man alive. He can make this dead man alive. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I need your help. Lord, we all need your help. I don't want to be aching, and I don't want my life aching. Lord, help us, empower us, give us the strength to walk with you, to delight in you, to have joy in this life, Lord. Jesus, you said that you came to give life and to give it abundantly, and I have seen that in my life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we need you. We love you. 
Help us. Help us to cry out to you. Help us to surrender. Give us the strength we need to overcome the things that keep trying to tear us down. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.